It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now, one of the godfathers of football analytics, it's Aaron Schatz of FTN. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens here because some folks do believe that they are the best team in the NFL right now. But even if you don't believe that, there, there's some real great evidence, especially when you look at DVOA, that the Ravens are undervalued in the Super Bowl market. How do you look at it? Yeah, our numbers love the Ravens right now, like crazy love the Ravens, as in they are the third best team we've ever tracked through nine games, which sounds crazy, and I don't think they're really that good. But they've beaten, like we keep moving the goalposts on them, like, oh, I'll believe in the Ravens when they beat a good team. They beat Detroit, which is six and two. They beat Cleveland and Seattle, which are both five and three. And they didn't just beat these teams. They demolished all three of these teams. That is the sign of a top team. So they are absolutely undervalued in the Super Bowl market. But just in case we're wrong about the Ravens, I went in and I lowered their rating by 20% so that it's the same as Kansas City's so that they're both like tied at, at the top instead of Baltimore being way ahead. Then I re-ran our playoff simulation, and I still ended up with an assumed odds for the Ravens of plus 750, and the bet MGM odds are plus 900. So even if you think that we are overvaluing the Ravens by like a huge amount, they're mm-hmm. still a really good bet. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were doing our own version of power rankings this morning, and one of us put the Ravens one, and I can't argue that. But like you mentioned, Super Bowl odds, they're fourth. And so if you don't want to make them the favorite, that's fine. But just being listed fourth, there still seems to be some value. So, so Aaron, in the college basketball world, when talking about betting, a lot of people refer to the Ken Palm rankings. And, oh, historically, if you have a top 20 offense, you have top 20 defense, you, you always have a team that's in the mix. That's uh, what – it's kind of like the pedigree of a championship team. And I know I've seen the numbers cited before, but when it comes to winning the Super Bowl, uh, where do teams typically fall in, in your DVOA numbers? I mean, they're usually in the top five. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. The last few years, the number one team has rarely won the Super Bowl. Usually it's the hmm. team ranked two, three, or four that wins the Super Bowl. I don't know why that is. If you go back to the 90s, right? We have our ratings that go all the way back to 1981. If you go back to the 80s and 90s, the number one team wins much more often. But it's not like it's a succession of like number 16 teams that win it all. Usually it's teams that are in the top four, in the top five. This year, that would be Baltimore, KC, San Francisco, Detroit. Those are our top four teams right now. That's the team I wanted to ask you about is Detroit because you do have them ranked fourth overall. And that's another team I thought, especially on the NFC side, that you could find some value for both conference and Super Bowl. 
would you invest in any futures with them if you also factor in your DVO rankings? Yeah, I understand the idea that a team with a top quarterback should not be considered a top Super Bowl contender. But if you're going to consider the 49ers with Brock Purdy a top Super Bowl contender because the scheme mm -hmm. makes Brock Purdy as good as he's been, then you have to consider the Detroit Lions with Ben Johnson's scheme and Jared Goff also a top Super Bowl contender because Goff is not really any worse than Purdy. And Ben Johnson's scheme is pretty impressive. And what it's done for Detroit over the last year and a half is pretty remarkable. So um, I, I personally, if I was going to put money on Detroit, I, I kind of feel like I would rather put it on them to be NFC champions than to be Super Bowl yeah. champions, because I think I feel a little bit like, you know, when it gets to the final game and they have to play Kansas City and what if it's Steve Spagnuolo's blitzing a scheme or they have to play Baltimore and the Baltimore's blitzing scheme. I feel like I don't know if I believe in golf, but uh, as NFC winner, yeah, plus 600, that, that absolutely is value there. Kind of a two-part question, and it involves the lackluster offenses that we have seen in the National Football League this season. A, is there some way to use DVOA to highlight just how bad offenses have been this season? And then also, if you do have a good offense, are you that much likelier to go deep in the playoffs than, say, in seasons past? I think the answer to the second question is yes, because the differentiation between the best offenses and the mediocre offenses feels larger this year. Uh, it's hard to use DVOA to measure the difference in offense because DVOA is normalized where every year averages zero. So, in other words, the average team every year is the same, even if the actual amount of offense in the league goes up and down. That's how we're able to compare teams from the 80s and 90s to teams from today. But there's lots of other evidence out there that the offensive numbers are down this year. Okay. What about Philadelphia? There's another big difference here with, with your numbers compared to the Super Bowl odds. Super Bowl odds have the Eagles as the best team in the NFC, second best in the league as the second favorite, but you have the Eagles down at 10. Why the Eagles so far down? Yeah, it's really interesting, and it feels wrong. Like, if you look at the Eagles and the teams that are slightly above them, you know, subjectively, I'd put the Eagles above Cleveland. You know, I'd put the Eagles above Dallas. I'd put the Eagles above Jacksonville, but... Uh, they're not the number one team in the league. They have a lot of close wins against bad opponents, right? They have the nice convincing win against Miami, mm -hmm. but then they have a lot of close wins against bad opponents. We're not the only stat that has them lower. ESPN's FPI has Philadelphia seventh right now, which I think is a little bit more probably close to where they should be. Now, if you want to talk about Super Bowl odds, the fact is we, you know, we can talk about ratings, but they're eight and one. Right. So they seem to have the inside track on the number one seed. They actually their schedule is not as hard as people think it is the rest of the way. They're already eight and one. I don't think they're you know, I wouldn't put money on them, but I don't think they're dramatically overvalued. But as far as like how good the actual teams are in a neutral, you know, on a neutral field, which they'll never play on because games are likely to be at Lincoln Financial. But on a neutral field, they simply have not been as good this year as San Francisco and Detroit. 
You mentioned a little bit ago that the teams ranked two, three, and four typically win the Super Bowl. Obviously, plenty of football still left to be played. But if you had to predict today, where would you be looking for, you know, the two teams in the Super Bowl and the winner? I mean, listen, my numbers love the Ravens. I think the Ravens are great. Um I think there's so much value there. There is a little bit of worry still. You know, Lamar Jackson the last two years has gotten injured at the end of the year. You don't, you know, you have to hope that he's healthy through the year. But I don't think the fact that the Ravens didn't get it done in 2019 when they were the number one team in the league means that they won't get it done this year. History is filled with quarterbacks who couldn't get it done in the playoffs until the year they finally did. Whether that's Peyton Manning or Steve Young in 1994, right? Like great quarterbacks will eventually yeah. be great. So if I had to predict the Super Bowl right now, I would say San Francisco and Baltimore would be my predictions. I feel pretty strongly about San Francisco as the best team to come out of the NFC. I feel stronger about that than I do about any of the AFC teams. There's just a lot more competition in the AFC. Hmm. Similar argument that you made at the start of the season when it came to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they're getting to the playoffs, but they can't quite break through. Well, they won't until they do, right? And so I do wonder, uh, even though the record is lackluster, that DVOA, they still look pretty solid. And certainly in terms of ceiling, Josh Allen's ceiling is about as high as any quarterback out there. I'm curious uh, how you look at the Buffalo Bills and their chances going forward. Yeah, man, I wish. Uh, I like to be right, you know, but the Bills uh, are fifth in DVOA, uh, but with a big red arrow downward. Their, their defense mm-hmm. has been the worst in the league over the last five weeks. Uh, their defense is just trashed by injuries right now. And even though their offense is much better than people think it is, right? Their offense has uh, had the best success rate in the league over the last five weeks. But they're lacking in explosive plays. They have poor fumble recovery luck. And they've faced long fields because their defense sucks. And I just don't think the defense is coming back. So I think Buffalo will make the playoffs, but they don't feel like a serious Super Bowl contender with the defense playing the way it is right now. Mm. Uh, Cincinnati, everybody's in. They're buying the Burrow MVP tickets. They're taking a look at Bengals futures. It, it appears that they're back to what they were last year, offensively and defensively now. It's a smaller sample size argument, but two very tough opponents in Buffalo and San Francisco. Uh, the DVOA numbers are down, obviously, because we're looking at it uh, what we have through nine weeks. But if we go small sample size and look, over the past couple of games, are the Bengals with the elites? Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mm. someone complained to me online about why isn't DVOA like the Bengals more, and I'm like, because the whole season (laughs) happened, right? Like, you can't make those (laughs) games when Burrow was hurt not have happened. Like, they happen. It's not – the stat measures what's happened in the past. I don't – you know, when I'm doing my playoff odds, I fiddle with it to try to predict the future, you know, drop the Vikings without Cousins, raise the Bengals now that Burrow is healthy. But when it comes to the actual numbers themselves, you know, the, those games happen. But, yeah, they look completely different the last couple of games. The defense has been better, and, and the offense has been so much better. Another team I want to ask you about is the Dolphins. Really fun, likable team, uh, can be explosive offensively. I think you have them, what, seventh in DVOA? Yeah, seventh yeah, overall in DVOA. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what is your assessment of them? Big picture. Boy, it doesn't seem like they can really make the, the offensive system doesn't seem as powerful as uh, when they play against better de- uh, defenses, does it? <laughs> I mean, they were like historically good for the first few weeks and the 70 burger they put on Denver. And now they're actually third. They're no longer number one in offense and they're 24th on defense and 25th uh, in special teams. Now, listen, I mean, there's signals that the defense is getting better. Uh, with Jalen Ramsey back and the idea that maybe it, it takes a little time to learn Fangio's scheme. I don't know, but uh, I'm not as high on Miami. I think, I think their odds are about right. I mean, they're like seventh right now in the Super Bowl odds and they're seventh in DVOA. So that seems about right, but the offense has slowed down a little bit. I wouldn't call this a doomsday scenario, but definitely it was something that I thought was a serious possibility heading into the season. And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars getting the one seed in the AFC and saying to say the Jaguars, we don't look at them the same way as we do the Kansas city chiefs, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens, things like that. But getting the one seed and getting that by is enormous. And so if it is possible, and heck, the NFC, we also could see something similar there. Say the Eagles continue to win games in an unimpressive way. So I'm curious when it comes to the value of getting that one seed when, say, DVOA, you know, our own eyeballs as well, uh, are saying to discount these teams. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, the Jaguars are sixth, so I wouldn't discount them, but Uh, No, the the first seed is huge, not just because you get the week to rest your guys, but it's just one less chance to lose, right? Like Mm -hmm. you you go into every playoff game with a chance to lose. And just having that, even if you suggest that the best team in the league is going to win their playoff games 80% of the time, that's a 20% chance to lose that you just don't have when you don't play a game in week one. So um The thing is, we only have the Jaguars in our simulations getting the number one seed 10% of the time. It's much more Mm -hmm. likely that it goes to Kansas City or Baltimore based on how good those teams have been so far this year. So I don't think we're going to get to the point where the Jaguars are the one seed. What's more likely that will blow people's minds is that Detroit is a one seed because their schedule is the fourth easiest in the league the rest of the way. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, tomorrow night, we have two of the bottom four when it goes to DVOA. I'm in Chicago, so I'm, I'm paying close attention to worst records since the Bears own that Carolina pick and they're facing Carolina tomorrow. And then you've got, well, Arizona, they have the worst record. They have the number one pick right now, but Kyler Murray's coming back. So how's that going to change things up? But then I go to the very bottom and I see a team that I have not mentioned yet. Uh, how, how accurate has it been over the years when you go to the bottom as far as being the worst? Yeah, I mean, the worst team doesn't always get the number one pick because teams luck their way into wins and whatever. But yeah, you're probably talking about the New York Giants, who despite being mm-hmm. two and seven are by far the worst team in DVOA this year. And it's going to get worse. I mean, Tommy DeVito... No disrespect. Sounds like the guy that they pulled out of the stands to start because everyone's injured, like the replacements, like he's Shane Falco or something, right? Like, I mean, the Giants are going to be really bad the rest of the way. So I think uh, our our playoff odds report currently has the Giants picking first overall 19% of the time. So we have between the two picks that Chicago has, they have the first pick 46% of the time. Arizona, 
and the Giants 19%. Amazing, Aaron Schatz. If but you want to know where so I have for... value? By the way, can can I just yeah. say where I think there's value? Drake mm-hmm. may sure. to be the number one overall pick. Mm. Yep. That's so, instead of drop. Caleb Williams. I like it. Aaron Schatz of FTN, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is Becky Well Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a packed NBA card tonight. We will go over our favorite angles and anything else we haven't gotten to. That's right here on the Becky Well Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And let's get to the hardwood, because we've got a busy day in the association. Several fantastic games to choose from. So, uh, Aaron, how about you lead the way? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Celtics Sixers tonight. So the Celtics are coming off an overtime loss to Minnesota, which is a team that many predicted to actually be good this year. Uh, I was looking at it. Rudy Gobert is actually getting double doubles again. If you're looking for some Minnesota props, <laughs> but I digress back to this game, the Sixers, they might be a little fraudulent. You look at their schedule. They've won a ton of games, but the Sixers did lose to the bucks. Then they beat a ton of good teams. I guess you can't say the Suns are trash, but wizards, Raptors, blazers. I mean, they've just been beating up on some, average or less than average team. So I like the Celtics and this actually has come down to minus two. I think it's a good bounce back spot for them. I think they're going to be hungry against a team in the East that, you know, has been riding a winning streak and maybe due for an L. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and look, it's been an easy road so far and this road isn't going to continue. They're the, the only team that's perfect Philadelphia uh, against the number. They are 6-0 and against the spread. They're covering by almost eight points per game. So I actually look at that and say, you want to look to the other side, and what are they? They're a home dog against Boston. Isn't the market kind of telling us everything with that? For They've covered every game by a lot, and for them to be a, a home dog, I'm like, yeah, Celtics probably the right side. It's way too early to be rejecting priors at this point. Way too early to say, okay, well, everything we need to know happened in the first few games of the season. No, what you thought coming in is more than okay here. This is not a game where I have a side here, but certainly not surprised that the Celtics are are road favorites here. Total of 227 and a half. It, It does seem to me like if the Sixers have a chance, maybe they want to grind it out just a little bit more, sort of stifle what the Celtics can do shooting from the outside. So that's probably the only way that they they win a game like this. But certainly, I think that makes a lot of a lot of sense that the C's uh, are the play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, something that, that grabbed my attention, of course, the Bulls are favored over the Suns tonight. What? Sure. Why? Well, the the reason is because Booker's out. Uh, Beal is questionable. Welcome to capping the NBA. But uh, yeah. they still have this guy, Kevin Durant. He's pretty good. Um, yeah, am I laying one and a half with the Bulls? Absolutely not. I just found that to be really, really interesting uh, in that spot. I'm not going to be betting it, but it just jumped out to me. Also, Miami has been terrible against the number. 
They're one and six against the spread, and they are a two-point road favorite. Where? In Miami's a road favorite. They have not won on the road yet. They're at Memphis, one and six. Memphis hasn't won at home yet. They're only at home. So, I mean, what do you do with this one? Like, yes, there's going to be positive Mm -hmm. regression against the spread for for the Miami Heat, but it's they're in Memphis, you know. So, what do you trust Miami? I mean, maybe I just found that to be pretty interesting. Um, You know, Milwaukee, a team that's not covering, and they've not been covering by nine points per game. They're one four wow. and one against the spread, but they're still favored by a dozen against Detroit tonight. Yeah, that's head scratching. Uh man. I would probably just blind bet pistons, plus there's even a twelve and a half out there. <laughs> just yeah. follow that trend. Maybe the the Goodness books must baby. be a lot higher on the Bucks and it haven't caught up yet. That's, that's what it is. I one. mean yeah, it's not like they have a losing record. It's just these numbers just get so crazy. The, the public season, they're going to lay a dozen. They're going to lay double digits with Milwaukee due to the star power. So kind mm-hmm. of along those lines, I thought this line was interesting between Warriors Nuggets. Nuggets two and a half point favorites at BetMGM. It was three and a half earlier this morning. You look at the Nuggets schedule and they are beating teams by margin, like double digits. Mm -hmm. And so I get it. I, you know, the Warriors are doing very, very well. I mean, I'm a bit surprised that they've only lost two games. Looney's been really good. Curry seems to be healthy. The Warriors have played a lot, you know, closer games. I just still lean, I lean Nuggets here. I mean, we saw the Nuggets get disrespected in the market last year. It felt like they never caught up. Maybe this is one of those situations. I feel like this should be much bigger number, you know, in terms of the the spread here. Uh, One thing I did also look at, uh, Jokic, triple-double, even money. He has three so far this season. Well, one thing that's a little scaring me off a bit is the Golden State Warriors actually ranked 10th in opponents in the paint. But this just seems like such a marquee matchup between these two teams that uh, I could see Jokic just going all out here and getting a triple-double, taking over the game. Well, there's no history of him doing that, though. So, I mean, you're really going <laughs> against the grain as yeah, far as that's very concerned. True. Uh, I do have a play on Suns Bulls, though. It is mm-hmm. an under. Oh. I think this will be a slow game. Defensive pace, Bulls rank fifth from the bottom. Suns are in the middle of the pack, but I expect it to slow things down by preserving workload for their stars. And you mentioned Devin Booker not playing. He hasn't played much so far this year, but when Devin Booker is off the floor, the defensive pace for the Suns gets even slower by roughly 1.3 seconds. So all of these factors are leading me to believe that the Bulls wouldn't mind playing a slower game. The Suns certainly wouldn't either because you're having to go to reserves just a little bit more for significant playing time. Uh, The defense would like to slow things down, that's for sure. So ultimately, I think this will go under the 221.5. So expect a lower-scoring game there. And then for Nets and Clippers, uh, second game for this New York trip for LAC, Clippers are number one in non-heave three-point shooting. Not the biggest part of their game as far as three-point shooting is concerned, but it's something that we weren't sure would exist despite all of the star power. But so far, it's been just fine. And they're number five in two-point field goal shooting, 
So this Clippers offense may be a force to be reckoned with. Normally it's been defense that we've talked about with LEC, but now I feel like this offense could be coming around just a little bit more, and I think they can cover the four and a half against an unknown Nets team. All right. Very good. Big card. Okay. Wednesday's always a big card. Looking looking forward to it. Uh, NBA getting uh, getting some shine tonight because, you know, we've got to watch the NFL tomorrow, and we're going to hate ourselves for it. Exactly. <laughs> so speaking of the NFL, let's get to it. Uh, Cause we mentioned uh, earlier in the program, uh, passing leader and uh, those stats leaders uh, and looking at those futures markets, but I'm not rushing leader. What stands out to you here, Joe? Uh, yeah, just, well, first off my man, Swift, he's right there. He's right there. Word. CMC oh, leading yeah. the way at six fifty two. But <laughs> Zach Moss is second. He's an RB two. Now for a few weeks, but Zach Moss is second on this list. I don't know. Is the leading rusher going to get to a thousand this year? Uh, welcome to the NFL. Swift. Yeah, boy. Six fourteen. He's right. He's one yard behind Moss and then CMC sitting there. Uh, the, the, the names that popped is do, do we want to consider a Miami back? Mostert is at six Oh five. Again, the leader six fifty two. Mostert's 18 to 1. Wow. Mm. 18 to 1 for Mostert. Obviously, because the elephant in the room is Achan. When is he going to return? Well, Achan is at 460. So Achan almost 200 behind CMC. Uh, he's 50 to 1. Remember some of those crazy games that Achan was having when he was healthy. So my question is about Dolphins' backs. Should. Yeah, look at a Dolphins back. Can one of them enter this conversation for the rest of the way? How do they split that workload? That would be mm -hmm. my biggest question. And yes. that I just don't know. And it's to the point where I go, okay, will the Dolphins have to play a lot of closer games where they are going to naturally pass the ball a good bit more? Because keep in mind that with these you know, phenomenal outings, it's when they were blowing teams out. And that hadn't happened the last couple of weeks. And and is that going to be the Dolphins version that we see going forward? That's the case, and I wouldn't back any of them. However, we do know what the ceiling is, and it's higher than any other ceiling in football with those outside runs. Can they catch up, though? What is the workload going to look like for these backs? A lot of questions there where it, it's really hard to decipher exactly what the number is supposed to be. So I would be apprehensive, personally. Yeah. Yeah, I probably won't either. I'm rooting for Swift still. But now Me with too. Will Levis as the quarterback, we all know he's got a cannon. He's slinging it. But could just even his presence, like, breathe some new life into this offense? And could we see Derrick Henry continue to be successful uh, as well? And, I mean, we know he's capable of it. Can he stay healthy for the rest of the season? Because he's only 51 yards off the leader. History says he's been the guy that in the second half of the year you want, right? It's going to mm -hmm. stop at some point. Oh, is yeah. this the point? Is this the point? Uh, that's it's interesting. It's amazing that that Achan is even in this conversation because he, he's really only played in three games, guys. One game, he had mm -hmm. one carry. The other three, 203, 101, 151. So, I mean, this never happens where a guy's probably going to play half the season and he can even be in this picture, but he might be. He's 50 to 1 now, by the way. 
That's interesting. Wow. By the way, yeah. the Dolphins, uh, you know, they have their bye week this week. Uh, so do the Eagles, yeah. though. So I'm curious, like, should we revisit this in a week after they've had yes. their mm-hmm. buys? And maybe that's so much more information. Obviously, the numbers are going to get sharper. But I mm-hmm. wonder if the information outweighs the market movement if we wait a week on these numbers. And, and maybe the that's numbers won't the get shorter. Play. They won't get right. shorter, right? Because they're going to fall further behind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I would yeah. definitely wait on that. I, I, I'd like to wait a week and then maybe we'll have more intel and that that's ultimately, uh, you know, the way to go there. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the other way to look at this uh, in this market, McCaffrey's injury history should be a question mark. No doubt about that. Uh, so if that's the case, who else do we want to back here? I want to look at teams that run more often than expected. And when you look at those numbers, we get to the Falcons, the Browns, the Bears, the Giants, and the Cardinals. The Giants stand out to me here because certainly they may be tanking, but also, too, they have a running back who they like a lot. And we don't know what the quarterback situation is supposed to be there because uh, Tommy DeVito may not be the guy. So is this something where Saquon Barkley uh, has a real chance to win this honor at 10 to 1? For yards. The yards one? For yards. Yeah. For, yes. Yeah. I thought about it. Just the usage mm-hmm. is going to be crazy high, which also means he's more likely to get injured, but that's <laughs> what you're betting on with the world of running backs. Right. Someone uh, yeah. won't. Yes. We'll have high usage and won't be injured. So that's also the question. Like who, who won't hey, be that guy? Yeah. Fourth favorite, 10 to one, uh, fifth favorite at BetMGM. Yes. Because where else is the ball going? Where else? Now, you could also make the argument it's going to be tough to run Saquon when they're down five touchdowns, but the Giants will find a way. Mm-hmm. Also small tanking. sample size, but with Aiden O'Connell in this offense, we saw Josh Jacobs rush for 98 yards last week. Could this be mm-hmm. maybe where mm-hmm. they're going to be running the ball more? And you could find value at 14-1 to 1 with him. Okay. How about we move on now to interception leader? And this one is intriguing because uh, I like Daniel Jones here for the longest time. Now he's not going to get it. Darn. Uh, But Mm -hmm. who else stands out here, Joe? Yeah, so it's bunched up at nine. Josh Allen, Mahomes, Jimmy G, Howell, all there. Uh, At eight. No, I'm sorry. Mahomes is at eight. Mac Jones was nine. Uh, Mahomes, Love, Hurts. Seven, you've got Stafford. Once he got to return, uh, Gino to, uh, and then there's another name at seven that, I, that I'm like, whoa, that number does not seem right. Just two back. I expect him to be out there the entire season. I'd be shocked if they end up benching Bryce Young. Bryce Young is two mm. back. He's among the worst uh, bad ball rates. He's going tomorrow, so you'd have to make this quickly. But 35 to one, that seems like a value play. Does it not? Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah, there with definitely that. seems to be a discrepancy there. <laughs> uh-huh. 35. You're not benching Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. You're not benching him, and you want to see what you have in him. So you're probably yeah. forcing him to throw the ball a little bit more, regardless of context. Okay. Yeah, he throws for a ton of picks. Well, you know what? At least you know when he is and isn't doing it. And, and you know, knowing what you have maybe more important than winning and losing games for the Panthers, as is for a few other teams. So in that respect, uh, that does seem like a misprice. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure the number won't be good. I don't know why he isn't listed because he has nine. 
I don't see a number on Howell, but I'm sure he'd be among hmm. the favorites. Sure. As many mistakes as he's making, definitely I think he'd be yep. a part of it. The SmackDown Daily presented by BetMGM coming up next. It's our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight, right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to our lightning bets in just a bit. But first, Joe, it seems like everybody has some opinions when it comes to midseason awards. And Bill Barnwell of ESPN is no different. Yeah, uh, we do this every week, and then some people do it you know, a couple times a year. We we talked about the reaction with the Sando article and the people he's talking to, how people feel about various awards markets. And yesterday we were discussing the coach of the year. And so what Bill Barnwell did is for a number of these awards, he gave his top three halfway through the season. And it was interesting. We had the conversation, okay, if you're looking for value, where do you go? Do you go O'Connell? Can you catch Mike McDaniel and Dan Campbell? And the team that I brought up or the coach that I brought up was Mike Tomlin. And, you know, even though I made a Tomlin case thinking that the Steelers are going to make the playoff in, there's no way I would have had these rankings that Bill Barnwell has. The Barnwell has Sirianni three, which I would not have in it. Uh, He had Dan Campbell two. I don't have a problem with that. And he had Mike Tomlin one, not top three, one. And it just reading a synopsis, it doesn't feel like it's close. Here's the last paragraph. Tomlin has never won coach of the year and hasn't even appeared in the top five of voting at any point during his career, which seems bizarre. These awards shouldn't substitute his lifetime achievement awards or be makeup calls for mistakes from years past but I don't see many people doing more with less than he's doing with his roster. I didn't know he's never been top five. I knew he's never won, but not top Mm -hmm. five. I guess you have Roethlisberger all those years, but he's going to get credit at some point. What's the best number on him now? I think it was 21 yesterday. Around the same as O'Connell. Yeah, 22. I see a 22 right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't hate that bet, but again, I mean, it's the argument I made yesterday. Like, the PR machine is not in his favor right now. It's with two specific coaches, and the outsiders right. uh, seem to be those who have uh, overall better records who are, you know, slight surprises, like John Harbaugh with the Ravens. So I, I look at this and go, you know, it's an intriguing idea. Certainly, he deserves to have one on his mantle at some point in his career. 
and it stinks that he doesn't. But sports is littered with examples of outstanding players and coaches to have not won some kind of an individual honor. Uh, what is it? Like Russell Wilson never had an MVP vote or something like that. Right. Steph Curry right. never won a finals MVP until the most recent championship. Like there are many examples of this where someone phenomenal just slips through the cracks. Mm-hmm. What if you wait? Dolphins. Hell. Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets. You like wait till like uh, right before Christmas. Cowboys, Ravens, Bills to end for McDaniel. So let's assume that takes him out of the mix. The line's a little trickier. You probably, and I think I heard Ken say this on You Better You Bet to open this market up. You probably needed Lions to lose the Chargers this weekend. But like Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears. Broncos. Now, if we're following the Vikings theory, the last three weeks are Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. So does that take them out of the mix? So you're waiting to till Christmas to make this bet, maybe? I've, I've seen that. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. If you wait, where somebody takes over. I want to say Vrabel was not really viewed as a top candidate until yes. the last month of the season. Like the Guys come out of okay. nowhere, and you can get value on them like all I- year. I could see O'Connell being much shorter odds or even a favorite as time goes on because you can't wait about doing more with less. This guy's doing it. I mean, even D'Amico Ryans, you Mm -hmm. could say, oh, well, look, CJ Stroud's really good. You've got some talent. You could say that about Mike McDaniel as well, right? Maybe the Mm -hmm. expectations weren't as high, but they've got talented rosters. I don't know if you could say that with the injuries that the Vikings have suffered. And And so Mc. We've made the point that with this Vikings defense, they're in rebuild mode and they're still getting the most out of that. So, you know, we had questions about how seriously they were taking this season and suddenly they make the playoffs with a backup quarterback they acquired recently. That's impressive. Yeah. So the Vikings make their run. His number gets shorter. The Steelers, again, this is the Tomlin case. Packers should be a win. Brown at Browns at Bengals. Maybe that's your buy point after that, because like that looks like probably at least at least one loss, if not two. Cardinals, yeah. Patriots, Colts, Bengals, Seahawks, Ravens. Ooh, that's a tough finish. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bad deal. So maybe also, the what's numbers the, not like, gonna, but, but also, Paul, the numbers. Right. How much better is the number going to get? How much better is the number? Probably gonna not going right. to get. You don't. You don't see fifties unless the team is no. way out. Vrabel was a forty, mm-hmm. I think. And I don't know how okay. late he was a 40, but yeah. Yeah. yeah one, one other quick mention as a little surprise mm-hmm. did not have Jalen Carter. Number one for defensive rookie. He has Witherspoon yeah. of Seattle. Ooh. That uh, is noteworthy. And then before we get to our bets on the day, it, it got lost in the shuffle with reacting to what happened in, in the NFL on Sunday and all that. We talked about this guy so much for NL Cy Young. How is Justin Steele not a top three pitcher in the National League? That's what the, the list of the finalists told us. He didn't make it. Strider didn't make it. I get it with the ERA. We, we were worried about that, that, yes, high strikeout rate, but the ERA is so high that's going to hurt him. It did hurt him. He's not top three. But there were so many metrics that we trust that said Strider's, I mean, not Strider, Steele is in the mix Uh he should have been in top three and he stumbled at the very end, but it's like, man, sometimes we, I don't know some of these voters, I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) 
I don't, yeah. Does that mean <laughs> they let recency maybe, bias over, overwhelm them? Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean Gallon or or Strider might be live, or it's it's Snell and it's it's sorry it's Strider's Snell. not the finals. Logan Webb. Oh, we did talk it's about Webb him. third. It's Webb third. Got yeah. Got it. So how's we talk about Strider's strikeouts? He didn't. Yeah. Steel. Over Steel. So it's and Snell or no one, right? It's Snell easily, I guess. Yeah. yeah it's Snell. It's Snell. I think so. I yeah. I think that was. You got to wait a month. Largely over. You'll find out. Right. Yeah, so dumb. No, it's next week. <laughs> Feels like a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. Feels like a long time, which is okay. All right. Uh, lightning bets here. I mentioned earlier, uh, Suns, Bulls under 221 and a half. But uh, one other bet, college football. Give me Miami of Ohio covering the 17 and a half against Akron. The Zips may have the worst passing attack in the country. The special teams for Miami of Ohio, they are massively underrated. And so with those short fields, they are likely to score touchdowns and cover the big number, Joe. Smaction is so smart. Like every There wasn't much going on in sports last night, but every sports channel you went to, it had a Maction game on. Like I went to CBS right. Sports Network. They had the Northern Illinois game on. It's, it's very smart mm-hmm. what they end up doing there. All right, I'm going with... NBA. NBA and an NFL play. Celtics minus one and a half at Philly. The C's are going to cover that number. And I have a eh, stat category leader here. I'm going to say Bryce Young. Too much value here. 35 to one. He's only two back. He's your interception leader. Get the bet in uh, before that Thursday game coming up. Maybe he he throws a couple against the Bears too. Yeah, I love that bet. All right, I'm starting with the Lions after talking to Aaron Schatz. I'm going to bet them 6-1 to one to win the NFC. Why not? A little Starbucks coffee money on Detroit. I will also be on Jokic triple-double tonight, plus 105 at BetMGM. And, Paul, uh, credit to you on this one, but we're talking about unders and specifically teams that are hitting unders at a high clip and that's the saints and the vikings the under is 41 so i bet under 41 for that matchup this week i'm gonna go back to college hoops this is a mixed bag yesterday a little bit of everything f uh mm-hmm. fgcu should have probably won that game against indiana but they easily cover the 12 and a half 11 and a half whatever number you got wow unc indiana didn't cover for bobby knight no, no cover? that's all I wanted to talk about because the team on the floor stunk. So let's just talk Jail. about Bobby. God. <laughs> anyway, UNC Asheville, um, they were, it was never a game against Michigan. So we'll go ahead and throw that one in the trash. And then, what was the third one? Northern Iowa. Oh, the first short dog goes to yes. overtime. You know it's dead. Beat of the year for me. So that was a mixed bag. But we're going back to the college hoops again today down the street in Chicago. Arizona State at Mississippi State. Ooh. Mississippi State was a team I had circled. Like, they couldn't. They were, like, just a god-awful shooting team, which is kind of a problem on the basketball court. But kind of due yeah. for some positive shooting regression. Like, they make their living on defense. Uh, Arizona State, nine guys transferred out. A lot of – you got, you got a Hurley brother over there, but that's kind of about it. Um, the thought for Mississippi State is they can't possibly shoot worse. Tenacious defensive team. Good amount of returning pieces back, a lot of starters, but they are dealing with some injuries. I've knocked some of those guys out. So my play, and this number has been coming down from 132.5, under 129.5 between Mississippi State and Arizona State. Work them. 
<laughs> there we go. <laughs> Nicely done there. You know, it's funny you bring up Bobby Knight. Uh, I I personally enjoyed uh, when he was a color commentator for ESPN. <laughs> uh, there was that one time when he was calling a game at SMU, and the way the broadcast table was uh, set up, there were fans in front of them. And so they were standing up and cheering, and so he couldn't see very well. And so on the broadcast, he's yelling at fans to sit down so he could watch the game. This oh, guy... Wow. You know what he is? He's just—he's an example to me of uh, as you get older, you learn more about people. You learn some of the backstories, especially once you get into this business. You find out what was really going on. And personalities, like Mike Dick is another one for me, that you may have liked as a child. And you realize, oh, I was a dumb child. What a jerk <laughs> certain people are. And he certainly falls right? into that category. Aww. Yep. What do you got, Jake? I'll leave you with that. <laughs> I still... Re- it's nothing? He's good? No. Basically. All right, fine. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. For those listening, next up is Jim Rome. For those watching on Twitch and YouTube, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.